1: Close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to The Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to The Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brendan store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. It's Tuesday, September 5th. This is episode 16, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing
0: again? I'm good, Brennan. I'm happy to be back here in the sweltering hot studio. (laughs) Complain, complain, complain. (laughs) Can't use a fan. You can hear it on the air.
1: Oh, yeah. Pardon me. I don't want everyone to have a show where they have to listen to a friggin' aircraft taking off in their ears. (laughs) It could be a thing. I'm a tyrant. (laughs) You are. Anyways, it's been a while since we've been here.
0: Uh, Yeah, almost three weeks. Uh, We recorded episode 15 a little ahead of schedule because I was heading out of town and now
1: here we are. Of course. Welcome back. Thank you. And how was that?
0: Uh, it was good. Went all over the place. Um, Calgary up into northern BC. Sadly saw a lot of fire <laughs> devastation yeah, no uh, going through Cache Creek. Specifically, you would see blackness come right up to a house and then oh, stop. And geez. you know how close it came. And then around the house, you'd see the fence all burnt. So the fence post gone. and Right. Stuff. But no, it was good. Went to Barkerville, which everyone made fun of, but I really enjoyed <laughs> No, I liked it. I thought it was actually kind of a cool place. We did run into something a little weird and paranormally oh really do tell i went to a friend's old house and got to go in there and he had always had experiences there especially with the basement which is now um a basement suite and i got in there and the lady who was living there now talked about some of the same things he experienced uh hearing noises down there when she knew no one was down there feeling really uncomfortable in a certain part of the basement and when she mentioned it, we were all standing in that part and I could totally feel it going up my neck. But I didn't think it was like a, a ghost. I think it was more like like kind of an elemental kind of thing. Right. Like an earth-bound thing. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I didn't hang around a whole lot to, no, no, <laughs> to fair discover enough. it. But I definitely felt like there was something there and it didn't feel like a human.
1: Funny you say that because that was... Uh, how far north you said those Prince George Prince George right yeah. so I recall um, when I met up with uh, with with Anthony yeah we had a chat about that part of the world because I believe that's where he's from okay or at least they spent a lot of time living up there yeah and he said that he, there's one particular park near Prince George he really likes because he feels like that's where. What what you might call the the expansion of like the westward expansion the expansion yeah. of man yeah that's where it stopped oh wow he kind of said that's that's where the land pushed back mm. and so it's it, if if there's going to be a place where you're expecting elemental spirits that seems like they're just the right place no oh,
0: that's cool to know that makes some sense actually yeah as much yeah.
1: sense as any of this stuff makes yeah
0: exactly how about you what's new
1: not a lot I'm afraid uh, going over to Vancouver for the last podcast on the left live show was about as exciting as things got
0: and how was that I had mixed feelings about it.
1: Hmm. I I mean to be clear I love the show I've been listening for about a year I contribute to their Patreon All that stuff But the live show Left me a little cold That's not good What was wrong with it? The audience was a drag mostly
0: Oh They just
1: weren't into it? Oh, Oh the opposite Oh, they were like feral, rabid beasts? They were nuts. Oh, no. The guys on stage could have said literally anything, and the crowd would have exploded into gales of laughter. They could have demanded the bloody sacrifice of some poor schmuck in the third row, and half the audience would have ripped him apart like a chicken at an Alice Cooper show. (laughs) It was all a bit much. It it, it ended abruptly, too, so the lights went up, and I was left thinking, oh, so we're done? (laughs) (laughs) It was a profoundly unfulfilling way to end something that was otherwise pretty good. Like, imagine you're... This is Ian.
0: Uh, we'll skip most of this because it was bad enough that I had to hear it. And then her
1: husband's truck pulls up outside. Oh, God. Bam!
0: A little more.
1: You're harder than algebra. Oh. You're trying to roll away, but it's a king size bed. You're like a tire with a nail in it. <laughs> ba-doom, ba-doom. That'll do. Thank you.
0: Please, no more. Please.
1: <laughs> but you, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. I think the lesson here is that we should try to cultivate a better audience.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe not better, but but smaller and more focused. I mean, sure, I, I love the $24,000 a month Patreon those guys have, <laughs> but not at the cost of having people scream my name at me on the street.
0: No, that's not cool. I wouldn't like that either.
1: All right, moving on. What is today's episode about again?
0: <laughs> you mean you don't know? Uh, not a clue. I was away for most of the <laughs> run-up to this, so uh, I, you just took it and ran with it, which is awesome. But we talked about doing Skinwalker Ranch, but that's on hold right now?
1: It is, yeah. It turned out to be a much better bigger topic than I thought it was so I'm trying to get my head around it in a short amount of time has been pretty tough okay in fact when it finally happens we'll, we'll probably be talking about a two-part episode oh wow that is big um I all right that a lot <laughs> gross so what is this episode about men? the men who are not there they were coveralls they somehow bridge the gap between wakefulness and sleep and no one knows exactly what they're up to when we come back from the break we'll be talking about the mysterious men in coveralls we'll be right back
0: Welcome back. Before the break, Brennan was being annoyingly cryptic about this episode's topic. Do you care to elaborate?
1: Sure. Uh, Now, this episode is going to be a little more one-sided in that I'll essentially be monologuing at you.
0: (laughs) like most of our conversations.
1: you. Oh, exactly like most of our conversations. Uh, Before anything, I have to tell everyone about a dream I once had. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not like that. Not like that. Uh, Like a lot of my weird dreams, this one comes from before I had any interest in the paranormal. Uh, I may have told the story on the show before. I can't remember, but... It's important to the episode's topic, so I'm going to tell it again. All right. Go on. (laughs) So I'm not wearing pants. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So in the dream, I'm back in Revelstoke. Some friends and I are walking at night, and we reach a grocery store called Southside. My friends decide to go inside for a Pepsi, and I decide to wait outside and enjoy the night. While I'm waiting, I look down Edward Street toward the industrial park. The street is quiet and empty. But just then, a breeze blows, and for a moment, it looks as though the street flutters, Hmm. which of course doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I walk up the street and suddenly see that the whole street is an illusion. In actual fact, there are panels of white, gossamer-like material covering the street. Hmm. Each panel has writing down the edge, but the writing is unreadable. It's a silvery, glittering script that looks vaguely Chinese. Right. I pull two of the panels apart and see Edwards Street, but there's light everywhere. It's so bright, it looks like a movie set. Floodlights, cables everywhere, ladders leaning up against power poles, and scampering over all of it are these black things. They almost look like four to five foot tall praying mantises. Oh, that is really scary. Yeah. Well, I mean, sort of. I mean, you'd think it'd be scary, but for some reason I'm not scared. Hmm. It's almost like it's too much to take in for me to bother with being scared. Uh, These little guys are climbing on the ladders, going back and forth, huddling together like they're conferring with one another. And the whole time they're making this clicking noise, maybe? Okay. Like they're talking to one another. Then finally, one of them on the left side of the street looks up from talking to his buddy and he sees me. He makes an alarmed clicking sound, then points. The other one looks up, sees me, and all of a sudden, click. I blink, and the little mantis things are gone, replaced by men in gray coveralls. Whoa. Yeah, some of them are wearing hard, yellow hard hats, some of them are carrying clipboards. Wow. So, what do you think that dream means? I never thought it meant anything. I, you know, I, I some of my dreams you can pretty easily interpret. Um, those are the ones you don't want to hear. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yes. I've heard most of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You know what you were signing up for. <laughs> but the whole vaguely Asian glittery silver script thing has actually turned up in a fair number of UFO abduction stories from the 60s and 70s. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. But, but you hadn't read any of these part of the stream?
1: No, not that I recall. A- um. And uh, I mean, it's possible, I guess, that I had read it and kind of buried itself in my subconscious. Yeah. But who knows? I, I don't know that it had I- Either way, I'd, I'd written the thing off as a weird dream. Right. Until a couple weeks ago. Oh, Okay. While you were out of town, a friend I don't see all that often invited me over to his place for a coffee. Right. Uh, the first hour of the conversation was pleasant, but the whole time I felt like there was something we were supposed to be getting at, but we weren't. My what? At the time, I didn't have a clue. Uh, we jawed about a bunch of things, but there was something missing. Uh, and finally, just as I was finishing my second coffee, it hit me. Uh, but before I get into that, I should say that this friend and I don't typically talk all that much, uh, particularly about the supernatural. Right. Uh, you know. But it was a conversation with him and his wife that I was starting to write my book. That helped prime me for some of the experiences I would later have. Okay. So in April 2012, through sheer blind coincidence, or maybe not, depending on where you stand on determinism, (laughs) we ended up in Portland. And they let me into their lifetime of experiences with the paranormal. Wow. We'd known each other before this, but had never kind of interacted on that particular level. And it was truly fascinating because they approached it all on a very matter-of-fact level. There was no woo. That's kind of cool. So yeah.
0: you're having coffee with the same guy a couple weeks ago, and what was the question you
1: asked him? I asked him if anything strange had happened to him lately.
0: Okay, see, that seems like a weird thing to ask someone just out of the blue. <laughs> uh, but I guess anyone who's known you long enough knows to expect
1: those kind of questions. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so what did he say back? And nothing had happened, but he started to tell me some stories from his childhood, and one rang a big old bell. So according to him, he was five or six or thereabouts. His family lived on a farm here in Victoria on West Sandwich Road not far from what is now the Vancouver Island Tech Park. Actually, I used to work out there. The houses in that area border on Quickspot and Park, which is a sort of marshy flatland. I know where that is. Yeah, you know, of course. Yeah, you you work out that way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a flatland full of walking trails. So back then, I have to imagine it was a lot more wild than it is.
0: Yeah. And when would this have been, roughly?
1: Uh, Late 60s, I believe. Okay. My my friend listens to the show and will hopefully correct any details I miss.
0: I know I would if I was your friend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank God you're not. Okay, so he's
0: living on a West Sanders farm next to Quick Bottom, and it's uh, in the 60s.
1: Then what? So for a period when he was five or six, thereabouts, he began to see on the property men wearing gray coveralls. Whoa. Men no one else could see. What? Yeah. He says he would see them mostly in the daytime, milling around the property, seemingly conferring with one another, Sometimes they would look in the window at him and his family, but they never attempted communication. Yikes. Sometimes he would see them collecting in scrums down on the flats. Scrums? Like like rugby scrum? Yeah, yeah, like a rugby scrum. Okay. Um, it, that's, or at least that, that's his terminology, but, yeah. but clusters. Yeah. And bizarrely, he mentioned seeing one, We said it looked like it was parachuting in. What the hell? Yeah, that's exactly what I said and, and continue to say.
0: <laughs> so what happened then? I mean, presumably he doesn't see them anymore?
1: No, no, eventually he asked his mother why the men were always around checking up on them, and she flatly said, there are no men, and that was the end. He never saw them again.
0: Wow, that is really interesting. I mean, that whole, almost, uh, for a child anyway, because six is kind of on the border, yep. where you stop seeing of course, yeah, things, quote unquote, and so he must have been right on the cusp and all it took was his mother to say, nope, there's nothing there for that switch to flip and his brain to shut down on that.
1: Yeah, it, it could be that, or I, I was thinking in the book Irreducible Mind, Uh, They talk about clinical trials they did in the military to test the effectiveness of hypnosis on skin ailments. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, this was like 50, 60 years ago before we were too smart to (laughs) look at these kind of things. Uh, But the author refers to a trial done with a specific soldier that was seeing pretty great progress on treatment until a superior officer loudly denounced the treatment while the soldier was present. Those treatments never worked again.
0: Wow, so it just goes to show how fragile belief
1: is. Exactly, yeah. Belief is fragile, even though belief implies that the existence of a particular thing is in question. And if I saw these men in a dream and my friends saw them in real life, don't we have to acknowledge that it's a legitimate phenomenon?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to know whether or not other people have had those same experiences, or just for some sort of, oh, I forgot the word. Comparison. <laughs> no. When you confirmation b- Confirmation Yeah There's another word for it But yeah, yeah. Let's go with Verification.
1: confirmation No Sure Support Okay It's good <laughs> Okay Uh, But no, I I was too. And so I did a lot of looking online. Yeah. I even actually went so far as to contact a therapist friend of mine to ask whether or not these- You were crazy? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, she knows that. (laughs) To ask whether or not uh, any of these guys had come up in sessions with patients or if she'd heard about them. And? Nothing. Oh. I'm pretty sure she thinks I'm nuts. (laughs) Or,
0: or, you know, more nuts. Oh, well, there you go. So were you able to find any other people, though, who had seen these men or heard of these men?
1: I was, yeah. Oh, wow. More than a few, actually. It turns out men in coveralls are an integral part of UFO contactee lore, again, especially from the 60s and 70s. Right. Dozens of people, probably more, reported seeing men in coveralls, often wearing helmets around what they perceived to be UFOs. Right. They believe the men were fixing the ships. Oh, of course, the idea that Aliens have the technology to cross the f***ing stars in a single lifetime, and yet their ships still break down here on Earth and have to be fixed with wrenches seems faintly ridiculous. It's
0: a bit like that movie Independence Day where the aliens just happen to be running a Microsoft program. Yeah, yeah, they can
1: hack the alien spaceship. <laughs> put his laptop in and, oh! Yeah, thankfully that... they have USB. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. I love that movie. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I loved that movie. Oh, lie, amazing, loved that fantastic movie. movie. Yeah. Did you see the sequel? No. It's awful. Is it? It's so bad. We forgot about it. As we left the theater. Oh, no. It was like, you know, the silence in in. Uh, you, do I, Doctor Who? Yeah. So, you know, the silence, the yeah. guys, you, you lose them as soon as you look away from yeah. them. It was like that movie was made by the silence. Wow. Because as soon as I turned away from the screen, it ceased to exist. Wow. I remember one image. It was a two and a half hour movie, I think. I remember one image from that film. That is all. It was embarrassingly bad.
0: So, did it feel like doing that, I was watching it, or more?
1: Oh, more. <laughs> oh no, whole whole empires <laughs> rose and fell while I watched that movie. Because
0: <laughs> I really did love that first one. I thought, oh, it's it's the, a the plot hole bugged me. I'm not oh, gonna sure. lie, yeah, yeah. and I'm pretty good at going, it's a movie. This
1: right. But that was like, oh come on. <laughs> no, the the first one is a perfect piece of popcorn entertainment. Okay, uh, the second one is a perfect piece of shit. <laughs>
0: So, sorry, anyway, um, the whole thing being ridiculous, yes. But what else could they be doing if they weren't fixing the ships?
1: Well, before we get to that question, I want to bring up two stories I found. One that falls in line with mine and my friend's experiences. And one that has elements from those but is more in line with contactee experiences. Sounds good. Let's hear it. So the first story was submitted to an online forum by an anonymous poster, when they were 3 or 4 years old, they claimed to remember a night when their mother was rocking them to sleep. Mm-hmm. This person claims that from their from the chair, they could see out into the backyard, and in the backyard were two men in gray coveralls, moving a tree across the yard, quote, like a piece of scenery. Oh wow. According to the person, the tree had glowing fruit in its branches. And remember that cuz it'll be relevant to the next story. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to quote directly from their last line of the story. Yep. While it wasn't a nightmare, it rattled me like I had witnessed some behind-the-curtains event of reality, a prop being moved from one side to another.
0: Ooh, behind the curtain, just like
1: your dream. Exactly. Well, it could just be a figure of speech, I mean... Oh, sure, yeah, it could be a figure of speech. I mean, all these stories might be a combination of dreams and psychological archetypes intruding into waking life, but I don't think so. Of course, I have no rational basis for that statement, so take from what you will. So why were the lights significant? Uh, Because I found other stories with a cover-all, Men which involve Lights. Okay. So in January 2001, a family in Cierro del Hero, Spain, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, (laughs) God help me, uh, were out for an afternoon picnic when they came across the men. Uh, The family was apparently picnicking in an abandoned strip mine area. That sounds lovely and scenic. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So so they just parked their car and were walking toward the rim of an old open pit mine when behind a nearby hill, they saw a bright flash and heard what sounded like firecrackers going off. The son, who was 13, started to bike toward the rim of the area, but the terrain was dangerous and his father kept him back. As they approached the rim of the pit, they saw at the bottom two strangely dressed men. That's their language. Right. As they got a proper look at the men, another bright flash came from the bottom of the pit on the same path the men were on. Then when the two men turned to look at the family, they were dressed in gray, dull gray coveralls. What? I'm confused. Were they always dressed in coveralls? That's a question. Okay. The article itself reads, and again, this is a direct quote. Yeah. The family then arrived at the edge of the strip mining gorge and soon noticed two strangely dressed figures at the bottom. And then a little further down says... The two figures suddenly turned around and stared at them. The family then noticed the figures were wearing dull gray colored coveralls. So either they were wearing them the whole time.
0: Or they looked like coveralls as soon as the men
1: knew they were being watched, just like your dream. Yes. Oh, so what happened then? As soon as the men noticed the family, they bolted uh, using what were described as quick and inhuman movements. Uh-oh. One of them allegedly covered 300 meters in a few seconds. Wow. Yeah, the other apparently climbed the wall of the pit using jumps of more than 30 meters each. Now, the two men were on the rim of the pit directly across from the family. The bright flashes that had been coming from behind the hill increased in intensity and number, and the father, who apparently has more guts than brains, walked up to the (laughs) rim of the pit and looked in. He saw two more men in coveralls, carrying something very bright in their hands, seemingly gliding above the ground. Their bodies, too, seemed to give off flashes of light. Then they left the pit as well. Suddenly, one of them glided back into the pit and seemed to look for something and rejoined the others in seconds. As at that point, things got even weirder. (laughs) How are they going to get weirder? Well, the mother began to experience an incredible pressure in her ears, and the two children began screaming hysterically and suddenly felt drained of energy. Then they all observed what looked like a metallic gray oval-shaped craft descend to about a meter off the ground. The four men disappeared, and the craft took off quickly at an angle.
0: You said they disappeared, but not that they got inside the ship.
1: Right. The family never actually saw them enter the ship and said that if they did get into the ship, it would have had to have been much larger on the outside than it was on the inside. So what, they flew in the TARDIS? <laughs> Sonic screwdriver and all. <laughs> or, and this is a big leap, the UFO thing was a smokescreen.
0: Like they were disguising something else as accidental contact.
1: Exactly like that. Okay. Remember my visit to the Lizzie Borden house? Yeah. As soon as they started using the Ouija board, I felt the air pressure change. Right. Everything got heavier. That, yeah. And that was a relatively small paranormal event. Right. They didn't even manage to make enough contact for the board to work. But extrapolate that to a major event. Something so big, four entities were transitioning from one plane to another. If you follow that line of reasoning, it could conceivably explain the intense difference in air pressure felt by the mother.
0: And people who experience paranormal activity, especially intense activity, can totally feel tired afterwards. I've certainly felt that myself. And particularly if they're sensitive, which kids are. Right. But that still doesn't explain what the hell they were. Like, what were they doing there?
1: Uh, No, it, it doesn't explain anything, but it does remind me. All right, so I think I know the answer to this. But humor me. Hmm. Have you seen the movies Dark City or The Adjustment Bureau? You know I haven't. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, you should at least see Dark City. It's a modern masterpiece. I'll
0: add it to the list.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Adjustment Bureau has some cool ideas, but it's pretty flawed. Anyways, in Dark City, the film teases you with these men in suits who seem to be able to freeze time and, and the people in it, then remake the world around them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it sounds familiar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in The Adjustment Bureau, men in suits do kind of the same thing, but for different reasons. And so... As with so much art, you have to wonder if the writers of those movies were inspired by stories like the ones we've been talking about or if they were picking up on some larger truth, which they then incorporated into their art in a recognizable but more slick way.
0: Well, yeah, and I mean that happens quite a bit. You find people will um, write stories or write movies about things, and then when questioned, it's like, well, I had this in a dream or I experienced something like this, and that's how they sort of process it. That's their psychological way of processing it. So, yeah, it would be really interesting actually to talk to the writers of that.
1: Yeah, it absolutely would be. I mean, they're, of course, you know, unattainable Hollywood types. So well,
0: you don't know. Most writers I know are just sitting in the basement waiting for someone to call.
1: <laughs> I suspect neither of us know very successful writers. <laughs> that is true. Being that both of us are unsuccessful <laughs> writers. So there, there is that. So
0: was that it for the stories?
1: Uh, no, there was another. Okay. And, and this one actually connected us in, in a roundabout way to someone we know. Oh, cool. Well, I know and you know by proxy. Okay. Uh, the story takes place in 1968 near Teatralnaya metro station in Moscow. A woman was woken up by a yellow light shining inside her room. So at first she was confused and thought someone was shining a projector into a window for some reason, <laughs> things are different in Russia, until she looked out the window and outside the window, some 40 meters from her house, she saw a sphere hovering three to four meters off the ground. The sphere was a source of the yellow light. And as she looked at it, she heard a low murmuring, like several people were talking quickly amongst themselves. Right. And that's when she saw the men, tall and proportional, but with slightly elongated arms. She said they wore something on their heads, maybe helmets, and wore light-colored overalls. At first, the witness assumed the men were electricians, since they appeared to be affecting some sort of repairs. But Then she thought maybe the sphere was some kind of new equipment being tested. And finally, she realized, no, there's something very unusual about mm-hmm. this. So, according to her, a ladder descended from the ship. The men climbed it, disappeared inside. And then she heard what she said sounded like a, a, the sound of a metal hatch closing. Uh, In total, she says the whole thing took 15, 20 minutes, left no trace, and alerted no one else, including her 10-year-old son, who was sleeping through the whole thing.
0: Now, did the account specify whether or not the man actually opened the hatch and got in? Because it sounds like a lot, like that story from Spain, where the witnesses just assumed the man disappeared into the object, but there was nothing really to corroborate it.
1: Uh, No, it's never specified, and I actually think you're onto something.
0: I mean, just because someone hears a metal sound like a hatch doesn't mean it was a hatch. I mean... They thought it was the hatch because they were expecting something, right? It doesn't mean it was that.
1: Yeah, that, that's sort of my thinking too. And and you and I have talked a bit off air about our general disinterest in UFO culture as far as the extraterrestrial hypothesis goes. And assumptions like that are a good example of why.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, people make assumptions because they've already made up their minds about what they're seeing. Um, you hear lots of stories about like, oh, well, I saw this. I can't explain it. Therefore, aliens. But they assume that if there's a thing in the sky and strange men on the ground, the two are related. The strange men came in the thing in the sky. Um, Therefore, the thing in the sky must be a ship, right? But it's hard to try and do actual research when you're burdened with those kind of assumptions.
1: No, I agree completely.
0: So you said that this leads us to someone we know.
1: Right. And we will get to that right after the break. This episode of The Ghost Story Guys has been brought to you in part by CoffeeCrew.com. Welcome back. Just before the break, we were talking about strange happenings in Moscow in 1968. Mm -hmm. And who else do we know in Moscow, good buddy? Putin. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I. Well, oh, I mean, Vladdy hasn't called me lately, so, you know. We're... <laughs> oh, you mean
0: like like on a personal, you've communicated yeah. level? That must be Peter.
1: Yes, it is. Peter is, of course, Pizanta Music, who composed our theme song and periodically writes bumpers for us. We love Peter. We do. I ran the story from Teatro Naya Station by him, and it turns out he lives not far from there. Uh, he doesn't know that particular story, but when I asked him about the men in great coveralls, he replied in sort of stereotypically nonchalant Russian fashion <laughs> that he knew many people uh, had who had seen them over the years. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, apparently so. He said a wide range of people had seen them, workers, builders, railway night crawlers, as as he called them. He said sometimes they're seen in robes, sometimes in coveralls. And he said they mostly do their own thing, working or building, but no one seems to know what it is they're working on or who they're supposed to be working for. And hmm. and then he told me about the Moscow ghost train. <laughs>
0: Has it ever occurred to you that you live a very strange life? I mean, just stop and think about this for a second. Do you know anyone else who has conversations like these? Oh, my Russian friend has heard about the Invisible Men, and he thinks they really have something to do with the ghost train. It's not normal. I mean, I'm not saying I'm normal either, but come on. You're not normal on an international scale. Honestly, it had never occurred to me. Okay, but uh, just know it isn't normal. (laughs) Just know this in your heart. It is not normal. Such
1: as it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, in 1975, a Moscow metro train supposedly just went poof. Oh, wow. Yeah, it disappeared along with all the commuters on board. Everyone assumed it had something to do with the government, but of course, under Glasnost, the Russians released pretty much everything they had done or everything they had as far as secrets go. Yeah. And they admitted to a lot of heinous shit involving their own people. So it's weird they wouldn't own up to this thing too. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, whatever. The, and, and funny enough, that's always the excuse given for the Dyatlov Pass thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone says it was a government, but they won't talk about it. Right. But they've admitted to a lot of evil shit they would have presumably owned up to that, too.
0: Yeah, you'd think so.
1: So whatever the case, according to Peter, sometimes people hear a train pulling into the station except there's no train there. And sometimes there is, and it's full of men in gray coveralls.
0: Whoa. So yeah. So do you think, like, the train, uh, for lack of a better term, slipped behind the curtain, like the curtain you saw? Do you think that's where it went,
1: or...? Oh, man, you know, I, I don't want to say yes or no to anything because it's, it's very much a huge yeah. who knows? Yeah, no, I who get it. freaking knows. I get it. But, it,
0: I mean, at least it makes more sense in that tying in with the men in the gray coveralls thing um, ties a lot of these together.
1: Yeah, and, and funny enough, I just uh, – I mentioned this to you at lunch that I just finished watching the new Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended on a baffling note last <laughs> night and one common image is these curtains – Right. Which seem to be, when when they move from, in certain certain scenes, when they move from one plane to another, they walk behind curtains. Oh, wow. Which I, I think is kind of a neat Interesting. way. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, of course, it could just be a handy visual metaphor, but I know David Lynch does a lot of transcendental meditation. Right. And I always wonder if some of the things in his show, because a lot of the things in Twin Peaks kind of line up in some ways with... A uh, certain paranormal phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm sure he he's aware of this and I'm sure that informs a lot of it. But part of me wonders how much of it comes from his transcendental meditation. Yeah. If he if he sort of inspired any of inspiration comes from those places. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, But, anyways, apart from a handful of what are believed to be hauntings in Britain and the UK where a spectral man in grey coveralls is seen, that's about all I could find on this particular subject. So, I guess that's where we're going to leave it.
0: And, you know, I guess if they're wearing coveralls, many people are going to notice them around. I mean, it's sort of the perfect camouflage,
1: right? Oh, yeah, yeah. My therapist friend actually raised that point. They could be anywhere at any time, and and really you have no way of knowing. Yeah. And and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Nothing about these stories is sinister in nature. But it's another question on the pile.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean... (laughs) It's just sort of open-ended, and at least if we're talking about it, other people might suddenly go, wait a minute, I had a dream like that, or I experienced something like that. And we can maybe pull some of the more
1: threads together. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and to that point, if you have had any encounters with the men in coveralls, please email us at ghostoryguys at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've actually had some great messages again this week. Cynthia wrote in to tell you that you sound like Khalil Akhtar.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I didn't think I knew who that was, but then I remembered that he interviewed me for the book. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I never heard the interview because it was on CBC and then it was gone. They oh, didn't of post course. It. Right, right, right. But he was the guy who interviewed me. So that would have, for Cynthia, that would have been like me talking to me.
1: Well, that's a horrifying thought. I know. Chewy ins Nope. Y- yeah, that's- Hard pass. Uh-huh, whatever. She also recommended the Porcini Pate. At a, is it Porcini or Porcini? Porcini. Porcini. So, mm. yeah, she recommended the Porcini Pate. At a charcuterie place here in town, uh, but I haven't gotten around to trying it yet. Soon, though. You <laughs> and food. Always the food. Uh, be the thing you are, i say. <laughs> and Thanks, to, to Wanda, who wrote in to suggest a particular topic for discussion.
0: Yeah, and we may actually have a guest live here in the studio next month, um, and that topic will fit nicely into that conversation. So thanks again, Wanda.
1: Uh, about a month back, we had another email from Vinny, too, which was a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, thanks for writing in, man. I hope you're still listening. Always write in if you've got something to say. And this goes for everyone out there. We love hearing from you. Definitely. You. Um, of course, we did forget to respond to Vinny that, on that second email. But then I guess it didn't necessarily necessitate a response. Right. I, I try and judge those as they happen. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> keep writing, Vinny. We love hearing <laughs> from you, man. Uh, you got anything coming up?
0: Uh, not so much at the moment. I've got a couple things coming up in October, which I can talk about closer to. But... Uh, Other than that, I've got my ghost walks. Uh, Those will be picking up in pace come October as well. The last two weeks of October, four times a night, so that's going to be
1: busy. Four times a night? Yeah, I don't sleep. Or a week?
0: No, four times a night for the two weeks up to Halloween. Halloween. How is that even possible? I think 90 minutes each? Yeah. We have um, about six people on every night, and we just send people out. And we will even send out, like, multiples. Like, if there's enough people there for a 730 group, we'll send out two groups at 730. So it works out to more than four times in one night. Good Lord. Uh, One night in particular, we put through 400 people. Wow. In one night. How are the tips? Uh, Not great. Really? Well, because you kind of just end it and they're gone, right? Poof, poof, poof. Cheap bastard. Yeah. (laughs) And it's mostly locals, and locals don't usually tip. Oh, of course. Americans tip. Love me some Americans. <laughs> so. They
1: are good for that. I remember when I was chucking luggage on the dock years ago. I um the only people who would tip me when yeah. I took their bags were Americans. Yeah,
0: so that's awesome. Other than that, not a whole lot and oh, Shannon from into the fray is talking about having me on her show soon. Someone sent her a copy of my book. Yes,
1: someone. Mutter <laughs> mutter mutter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that, that'll be fun She's a good interviewer And her show is always interesting um, Actually, one thing I really like about her show uh, And I mean, I, I mentioned her show a lot on here But that's, I think it's because she's the only podcaster Who sort of engages in dialogue Right I've kind of found As much as I love a lot of the other pe- pe- people Whose shows I've been on There's just not Unless you're sort of up further up the chain Right There's not a lot of back and forth No You know, and, and something I, I enjoy about her show Is that it's She is a lot more willing to take on people Who are not Established, yeah, you know, yeah. she's had people on there who you wouldn't hear on Mysterious Universe or something because right. they some of them kind of sound like fringe kooks, right? But even fringe kooks, there can be a kernel of yeah, truth, they've in that's something stories. to say, yeah, yeah. And uh, and definitely, I have found a few of those listening to her show. And if you ever listen to podcasts, you'd know that I listen to podcasts, which one this one
0: <laughs> most of the time. I rest my case, <laughs> a lot of times, I will admit, I just skip to the end to hear the outtakes. <laughs> I want to know what you're making me say. What horrible things you're trying to concoct? No, no. By editing together horrible things. <laughs> what do I? That you? How put much on of there?
1: your evil do I let the audience in on? Well, all of it. Yeah. Uh huh. So that's why I listen to the
0: outtakes because I know that's where you set the evil free. Yes, because that's what you do, Demon Master Lord. <laughs> Whatever, Scarface. <it> <laughs> the busy lives. That's dirty cool
1: against. <laughs> Just plug your damn show.
0: Uh, Well, we haven't nailed
1: down a date yet, but as soon as we
0: do, I will let you know. How about you? What's going on? You were just on the radio, weren't you?
1: I was, yeah. Haunted Voices Radio on the 29th, I believe it was. Nice. How was it? I was a solid interview, but it was half the time I expected it to be. The original email said it was going to be an hour, but it turned out to be a little less than half that. Oh. Uh, but they said they were going to get me back on at some point, so it must have gone reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from that, I have an interview coming in October that, of course, I'll push closer to the date. Good. And you can always pick up a copy of my book, A Strange Little Place, wherever fine books are sold.
0: Same goes for my book, Victoria's Most Haunted. It's a much more brisk read than Brennan's book. Shorter, you mean. Brisk, I mean. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere else. It really helps increase our visibility and attract new listeners. And thank you to everyone who've left re- reviews already.
1: Uh, big thanks, as always, to Pizzanta Music for Yay. our theme song and for providing me an incredible amount of photos from the Moscow second metro. Which was apparently built during the Cold War and is only for government officials. Cool. Yeah, it was. It was really pretty sweet. cool. He, I had to go to sleep, but uh, you know, he's ten or twelve hours ahead or whatever yeah. it is. So he just sent me a bunch of stuff for when I woke up, and there was a lot of cool shit in there. Nice. Yeah, yeah.
0: As always, we'll be out with a new episode in two weeks. Until then, back into the darkness we go.
1: to everybody. That's right. This is your... I know they say we're not in love. <laughs> but if I can't see you through your window, I can't sleep. <laughs> sure you don't know I'm there.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I just made that like 35 degrees darker.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you really did. <sighs> That's so creepy, Brandon. God, you're a (laughs) f***ing such I remember a long time ago, my friend's sister was dating this dipshit who said he only dated virgins. We were joking that he does it because... Well, obviously, he does it because he's garbage in bed. Right. And he doesn't want them to know. We were joking that, you know, when she asks him if sex is always supposed to last 15 seconds, he's like, yeah, yeah, they make pornos with stop motion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently. He said a wide range of people have seen them from... You dick. You absolute dick. I didn't know the straw came on. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. I can still hear you f***ing drinking it. You have a condenser microphone in front of your face. Boy, I'm glad we got the new microphone that can pick up a bunch of stuff so you can can drink from a Slurpee cup. Whatever, burpee. <laughs> I don't burp into the f***ing microphone. Yes, you do. You just you're edit it out. F***ing <laughs>
0: jabroni. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Good. <laughs> no air conditioning. Don't drink anything. <laughs> it's like a prison camp in here.
1: Well, once upon a go f- yourself. <laughs> um, And I'm up. You're up. So, uh, any, any questions? Anything? No? Okay. Fair enough. I figured. Because yes. I'm simple. <laughs> well, I did. And easily led. <laughs> your words. Your words. Your words. <laughs> Every time I put (laughs) up that free candy sign, though, you go. You just go. It's free.
0: It's candy. Of course. I'm sorry. It's so complicated.
1: (laughs) You. Forever.
0: (laughs) More like a Frank Sinatra song.
1: (laughs) Did it my way. I banged me a pharaoh even though she was nine. (laughs) Hey. I had someone break Jackie Mason's jaw. (laughs) But no one's going to remember any of that stuff. No, nope. Sorry, I, I didn't get a chance to color-coded. Wait, uh, you know I need it like a dog. <laughs> uh, They're colorblind. Oh,
0: God. Okay, then smear with barbecue sauce. I don't care. <laughs> Something dogs can recognize.
1: I'm Ian-ing on this on this one.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm so pleased
1: that's a new verb. Really. <laughs> oh, boy. That was... We're going to have a lot of fun outtakes. <laughs> Family in Sierra del Hira... Cierro. In January 2001, a family from Spain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. No. Quickly, did I ever
1: tell you the story about when I learned to make cold ice tea for the first time? I saw so it was 2008. Uh, I think it was 2008. I'd just come back from the American South for the first time, and I was in love with the shit. Yeah. So I was just making pitcher after pitcher of this stuff and drinking pitcher after pitcher. Yeah. Couldn't figure out why I was waking up at nights with panic attacks. <laughs> Okay. And then I realized, oh, I drank six liters
0: of iced tea. When I was 19, I was working at the video store, and I would make sports bottles of nasty iced tea. I took the powdered canister (laughs) to work, and I would suck it back, and I had the exact same experience. Why am I standing here with my heart racing? I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Uh, tea, idiot. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that wasn't good.
1: Years ago when I was working at the Bottle Depot, we used to get free pop. Right. And so uh, I would drink, and of course I was trying to be- I guess trying to be healthy. So I was drinking Coke, what was Coke Zero at the time? Oh, no. And I was drinking so much, I developed a twitch in my eye. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out why I had a twitch in my eye.
0: Oh, right. You don't have kids. You've never been to one. They're hell. (laughs) You go to see your kid in one grade, and you have to sit through six other grades full of bullshit. Can't you leave? No, you can't leave. Then you're a bad parent.
1: No, so I have more. cats instead of kids. A,
0: yeah, good plan. They never, you never stuck watching cats perform in any kind of.
1: Well, w- whenever I want to f- sleep and they're sleeping on the bed, like, oh, look at me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a f- cat. F- you you want to go to bed? F- you. We've had a mouse living in our closet for like four days.
0: And the cats will do nothing
1: no, about it. No, not a goddamn
0: thing. Just stop peeing them.
1: I, yeah. <laughs> no, hungry. I'm not going to sleep. And then he starts he'll, mansplaining? He'll mansplain oh to the person God. who is smarter than him by about 14,000 degrees.
0: <laughs> do you think they'd know?
1: They'd have to be stupid not to.
0: But. Yeah, okay. They did a podcast for years, but secretly, they hated each other's
1: guts behind the music. I thought that was a true story. But okay. <laughs> yeah, no, <anyways. laughs> uh, Moving on. Oh, I've said too much. <laughs> oh, burrito.
0: Why do you do that to yourself? But we had talked about Skywalker Ranch. Are we still doing that or not right now? What?
1: Skinwalker wrench. What did I say? Skywalker wrench.
0: <laughs> That's a thing, too.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're not doing a podcast on it.
0: You know what? Skywalker wrench might be totally haunted, so screw you, man.
1: Oh, <clears throat> do it again. All right.